Welcome to the Like a Bigfoot Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. This week, I am sitting down with uh, an incredible ultra runner named Don Reichelt. And we got a lot of stuff in store for you guys. He talks about his journey. Um, but this guy's journey consisted of uh, Leadman taking on every event in Leadville over one summer. And that was kind of his first foray into ultra running, which is just mind-blowing to me. Um, and then we go into a couple of his 100-milers, like how he's, how he's learned, how he's evolved throughout his career, which, um, you know, not, not to say like culminating, but the story leads into uh, his race at Badwater last year, which is a 135-mile foot race through Death Valley in August, which is uh, last year especially, I think, was on record as one of the hottest years of the race. And Don got third place. Um, I met Don a couple, like a month ago, where we planned on going for a run around our local mountain, North Table Mountain. And I realized very quickly, I was like, oh man, like this dude is super fast and I'm not as fast and I'm recovering from some stomach bug and he's just, I'm slowing the dude down. But, uh, but yeah, he's like, don't worry about it, man. I'm going to do another lap anyways. Uh, and he's just an incredible athlete. Like I really enjoyed running with him then. And then even more so I enjoyed sitting down and listening to his stories on the show. Um, one of the big things we do chat about at the end, uh, is this race called Biggs Backyard Ultra, which is his next, I mean, I can't like saying it's a gigantic event, barely even gives it justice. So it's a race by Lazarus Lake of the Barkley Marathon fame, where basically you run a four mile loop. Everyone lines up every single hour. They run a four mile loop. The next hour, they all line up, do it again. And uh, it's last man standing. So if you listen to our episode with Courtney DeWalter, she talks about it a bit because she got second last year at an astounding 267 miles. Um, and so Don's training for that. And that is the real test of your limit because even though there's other competitors there, it's ultimately man versus self at that point. And they might be the person, the only person getting you out of the race is not like you finish this distance and you're done with the race. It's like you're out of the race if you quit or if you outlast the other competitors who are also trying not to quit. So um, it's an incredible format. We talk about his like, what he knows about the race, what he's learned about by researching the race and kind of like how he's training and how do you even train for something like that is kind of what we get into. Uh, Don is also a fellow Iowan represent. <laughs> so we talk about, he was on the rowing team for university of Iowa. So we kind of start there and then we get into more of the ultra running stuff from there. So, uh, yeah. Let's get right into this. This is the Like a Bigfoot podcast number 151 with Don Reichelt. All right, man, let's get started. Uh, here with Don, say again, Reichelt? Reichelt. Reichelt, gotcha. Um, yeah, man, welcome to the show, dude. I'm super excited to have you on because we went for a run uh, probably like a month ago. Yeah. And then as we were talking, we were running around North Table Mountain I was like, this guy's for sure holding back because I'm going very slow right now. <laughs> <laughs> it was just a nice, easy day on the trails. 
<laughs> I think I did a second lap after you. You uh, did. You had to go. How much faster was the second lap? Uh, I, did, I didn't look, but it was it was a little faster. <laughs> no shame. I, I don't wanna. Hey man, it's all good. I'm not coming on your show to throw shade on you, man. <laughs> but I guess what I'm trying to say is Don's super fast. Uh, talking to him about some of the um, the events you've done in the past is really cool. And then hearing about the big one coming up next year uh, was awesome. So I wanted to have him come on the show, kind of share his story and and all that. So let's start here. We're both Iowans. Yeah. And you were on the rowing team at University of Iowa. I was. Explain the rowing team, man. <laughs> so we uh, we got up really early. We rowed boats, and then we uh, we drank a lot too. Uh, which is that's every college. It has to be every college team. Right? Every college team. Uh, <laughs> No, it was, it was really fun just to, to kind of have an organized sport. It's one of the few sports that's 100% team-oriented at all times. You know, if you think of most team sports, there's a moment where, like, one player has to shine in, in crew and rowing. Like, it is – you're all 100% in sync or you're all off. And yeah. so it's, it's one of the most pure – team sports there is i didn't even think about it from that yeah, perspective. yeah it's everything like one one guy you know leans over just a little bit to adjust his butt and the boat rocks <laughs> and everybody gets thrown off so yeah. it's like it's amazing how you know practice would be a lot of just balance as a team like yeah. getting in tune with your teammates and making sure that like, cool. you knew what everybody else is doing at all times it's it's a cool sport so what happens to the person that's like it's kind of like you're as strong as the weakest link in that point, right? Like, so what? What do you do? Like, do you talk to the guy afterwards, or were you ever the guy? <laughs> <laughs> um, I was never the guy. Um, at least I'm stating publicly that I was never the guy. Um, you know, we we used to do. Um, they're basically called seat races, and you would do. Say there was a four man boat, you would do a like a one k all out with that four man boat. And then one guy would trade out for another guy and you'd go back and do that same 1K and you would basically see like, okay, what the only variable change was those one guy, like who's faster. (laughs) And you would just really fine tune the boats by seeing who was in sync and who was the strongest. Dang, man. That's crazy. Well, I was thinking about this, like rowing, I don't know, because they're both endurance sports. So rowing and running, both endurance. But for rowing, it seems like you're doing like one isolated movement the whole entire time, or am I not right about so that? So the thing about rowing that a lot of people don't realize is how leg oriented it is and how like okay. focused it is. I mean, if you if you think your your feet are strapped to a board, yeah, and your your seat is on a slide, okay. Um, so for the first uh, majority of the 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 pull of the stroke, you're actually just using your legs and glutes. Um, and then only after everything's moving, the last bit you move your arm. So okay. it's 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 a super pure full body exercise, and that's yeah. why you know you see CrossFitters and all those guys do do rowing because it's oh, yeah. it's a pure full body exercise. They always warm up with rowing. Do you like take offense to that? No, I th- <laughs> I think it's it's such a great activity yeah. for for anybody. Like even somebody that just wants to do 15 minutes of exercise at the gym, like jump on the rowing machine because. Like it's gonna work absolutely everything. It's yeah. an amazing, amazing uh, awesome. exercise. I remember seeing you guys. I would be taking the bus into like a seven. I remember I had a seven thirty physiology class. Yeah, on, mistakes were made when the scheduling. Dude, came out. I know. Well, and then we had we we would have rugby practice the night before in the bubble. 
you know, yeah, the bubble. Yeah. But like literally every team would have to practice in there in the winter. So our practice would get over at like 1.30 in the morning. And then we would, I would wake up and attempt, and I didn't always make it there, but I would attempt to go to physiology class. And I just remember crossing the bridge and it's winter, like the river's halfway frozen. Oh yeah, it's And I was, I'd see you guys out there just rowing away and I'm like, dang. Yeah, like, it's, it's pretty crazy. As long as the river wasn't frozen, we were out there on it. <laughs> uh, and the thing, of, the thing is, is like, you can't really wear gloves when you're rowing because you need the feel for the oar and uh yeah oh there's a lot of things that go into the movement of the oar because you feather it uh so you basically turn the blade when you're uh in mid-stroke so it doesn't catch the wind yeah um so you need the feel of the oar did you, so you ever get gloves. frostbite oh it gets real cold yeah yeah <laughs> you're like we're gonna have to Please amputate God. that finger right yeah. now get me off the water <laughs> so how long were practices um gosh you're making me think back 10 12 years um, I think we were usually out on the water for an hour or so, yeah. give or take. We did a lot of indoor practicing when it was really bad. We oh, had, yeah. uh, we were at, we had rooms in the, the field house full of, oh, yeah. uh, full of earth cool. rowers. So we would do some team stuff indoors. And That's this, cool, but, man. Yeah. So how did it go from that to running? Yeah. So running started, I mean, I ran in high school, yeah. um, had some low level offers in college, but honestly, like I really hated my coaches in high school and just didn't really love running yeah um what like did they i don't know i always just remember in high school mostly in football but like running would be punishment yeah did they treat it like that even in track or yeah they did there was just no nothing fun about it it was all like shut up and do your work (laughs) and it just wasn't and i wasn't you know admittedly i wasn't the fastest guy ever Um, I, I held my own the back of the fast pack, if you will, yeah. on some races, but I was never great. Uh, so, you know, I didn't have all the success and things like that. Like, oh, I'm winning these races. It's like, no, I'm, I'm barely hanging on to, uh, you know, the back of the varsity 800. Yeah. Um, so it, I didn't have the, the results that come with some of the joy. And so when the coaches are kind of just not nice and, make it seem like yeah. every day it's work harder punishment. I just didn't, didn't love it. So, uh, that's actually why rowing came about is I needed an athletic out yeah, in college. And if you're and, drinking beer afterwards, yeah, like, there's the reward, <laughs> right? It's, it was early enough in the morning that it didn't interfere with class or, yeah. uh, or do whatever you want. So got into rowing and then after, uh, four years of rowing, I obviously was done with my rowing career, if you will. And, needed something else to do i actually got fat if like put on i remember weighing in at like 199.8 and uh i was like oh shit like i don't want to weigh 200 pounds like please lord <laughs> like i need to do something different because uh like i wasn't ready to, to face the 200 pound threshold so i uh i actually started biking okay i got i picked up i had a good friend that was doing some endurance biking and so i got into some some biking and uh, then another friend that was doing triathlon and I was like, okay, I can do, I, I can do a triathlon. I didn't know how to swim. Like I, yeah. Tara still to this day, a terrible <laughs> swimmer, but I was like, okay. And I should say asterisk, I'm always been like a go big or go home type. Like yeah. if I'm going to say like, I'm going to do a triathlon, it's not like, oh, I'm going to go do the local town, like a little shorty sprint triathlon. I'm going to be like, you know, screw it. I'm signing up for an Ironman, not knowing <laughs> at all what I'm getting into. So I signed up for an Ironman, <laughs> not knowing what I was getting into, and uh, basically taught myself to figure out how to swim, 
started, you know, obviously it was still biking, yeah. but then that running component came back into, into yeah. my life. So I was running a ton more, um, dabbled in, in triathlon for a few years. Uh, did a handful of Ironman and half Ironman races. And then, uh, literally woke up one day. I was training for, I think Ironman Boulder and I was doing like an open water swim and I was just in a kind of crappy mood and I didn't want to swim. And I, I, I cannot say this enough. I hate swimming. <laughs> I do not like it. I've never liked it. Um, I, I got like a hundred yards out in the open water and I don't know if my goggle leaked or something, something happened. I just like literally like treaded water. I threw my goggles and I swam back to the shore. <laughs> I took my wetsuit off and I sold my wetsuit and bike the next day. And I promised to never do another triathlon. <laughs> Was there anyone like I'm just imagining you swimming back to shore and then another person is also giving up at that point, swimming back to shore. Like, is anyone else there and you're both looking <laughs> no, at each other and you're like, like a, this is stupid. It was like a, <laughs> it was like the, in Boulder, they have these, these things called stroke and strides. It's like an organized, it's, it's a technically a race, but it's a, okay. it's like a little bit of an open water swim with a 5k afterwards. They're more casual. And okay. A lot of people use them and they're midweek and yeah. use them as training. And so it was like a group and, and I just, I just totally, I, I flipped, man. Like I was done. Like that was the moment that I was done swimming, and I knew it. And I got out of the water, and shortly thereafter, I, uh, I had a buddy that was doing Leadman, so the yeah. whole, whole Leadville Dang. series. Who's your buddy? And uh, Ed Daly. Okay. Um, he was flying in from Chicago to do all those. And yeah. I hear about people doing yeah, that, where crazy. they just fly in from, yep. yeah, Chicago or like New York or whatever, just to do Leadman. So uh, That's he was doing Leadman, and I, I, I was. Yeah, I'll pace you. And so I paced like twenty-seven something miles with him and Leadman, and I was like, "Was okay. that the, up for the hundred miler?" Yeah, for the for the run. And then I committed on the spot after I paced him to doing Leadman the next year. And then I was like, my first dabble in ultra running was committing to signing up for Leadman. <laughs> Wait, so your first dabble in ultra running was to sign up for every ultra endurance event in Leadville? Yeah. That's insane, man. Like I, so I, I told you before, I was like, I, I've always kind of been the go big or go home type. Like, if I'm gonna do an ultra race, why don't yeah. I just do the hardest ultra series in yeah. North America? So yeah, for people who don't know, we've talked to a couple of people who have done Leadman, and uh, I don't know. Do you know Travis Macy? Oh yeah, yeah I have his book right. Here. Yeah, the book sitting right next yeah. to me. Yeah. Um, um, so yeah, he's the one that was saying because he like is a coach for people signing yep. up for it, but. Yeah, man. So can you kind of quickly describe like what is Leadman? Sure. So it's it's the Leadville, the Lifetime Leadville series, and you, you get basically do all the series throughout the summer. So you start with the Leadville Trail Marathon. Um, and for anybody that doesn't know, Leadville is situated at 10,200 feet above yeah. sea level. So you're starting out at two mile high. Um, the So you do the Leadville Trail Marathon. The um, couple weeks later, you, you do either the 50-mile mountain bike or the 50-mile run, or if you're really crazy, you could do both. Yeah. Um, a couple weeks after that, you do the 100-mile mountain bike ride. Yeah. The next day, you do the 10K run, and then the next Saturday after that. The week you, after the yeah, mountain bike. Yeah, you do the 100-mile run. Um, and so this is all like super – crazy mountainous yeah. leadville colorado racing. and they're all different courses right yeah so the That's yeah absolutely the, that just speaks the to the amount of trails in leadville you right know? yeah there's just so many and just jeep trails and forest roads yeah. and you could pick a direction and start heading start out going and, yeah go it's it's it leadville's pretty incredible yeah i'm um, looking forward to i'm actually I love coaching leadville, a, i'm actually coaching a camp 
Um, oh really? Coming up at the end of June for I didn't know that. Uh, trail running. Up, That's sweet. Uh, so yeah, if anybody all if up in Leadville? Yeah, it's a it's a three day camp. Um, one of the companies I, I represent, Performance Tea, we're putting on this little uh, altitude camp. I'm doing <laughs> yeah. so at the highest altitude. We're just helping people get adapted, <laughs> feel what altitude feels like. Yeah. Uh, do a little, uh, do some workout on the running out on the Leadville 100 course. That's and cool, man. Just yeah, a little bit of an in- integrative trail running experience that's gonna be awesome so how do people find that yeah so uh performance t.com okay. uh there's a link to the high altitude camp they can find it and okay. um, i can send you the link to yeah man yeah i'll it post it on here That'd yeah awesome. for sure that's crazy so everyone i mean i have to imagine the 100 mile runs the hardest but i don't know if that's true but what would be like is the mountain bike like what event in that series is actually really difficult so like the second make, most difficult, I guess. I make really bad decisions with endurance. Um, so I signed up for Leadville having really never mountain biked before. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, um, so, uh, you know, for most people, you're probably right. The hardest part would probably be yeah. one of the longer runs. But um, for me, buying my first real ever mountain bike just a few months before uh, the 50-mile the yeah. mountain bike probably the biggest challenge is just learning how to handle a mountain bike it's hard man it's it was not a lot of fun yeah you think like oh it's gonna be super like i'm good yeah. at road biking yeah, yeah i'm I was, strong i, I was a really it. strong road yeah. cyclist not at all the same thing like i was just super rigid and these guys were you know big out of shape guys were flying by me on these downhills and i'm like squeezing my brakes trying not and i was already covered in blood from a couple crashes and this is the 50 mile race i crashed twice already um and <laughs> like i was just it, it, it was really difficult yeah um but the whole series is hard and it's you know one race by itself is hard and then you add in like every couple of weeks you're getting back up to leadville and and racing and then yeah you know, obviously the, the biggest challenge is just recovering between the hundred mile bike and the hundred mile run. Yeah. And, you know, it's, you stay at 10,200 feet with less oxygen. You might not recover as fast. Do you, oh, do you try to go back? Think about that. Yeah. It's you know, a lot of, a lot of people stay up there, but you're what not is gonna... the thing they say? Like, what's the whole strategy that like the Olympians use in Colorado Springs is it it's uh, live high train low that's what I thought yeah okay. so, I always mix it up yeah so you want to like screw it man train high live low <laughs> <laughs> no you yeah you the idea is to basically when you're sleeping and when yeah. you relax adapt to the the high high altitude you get those red blood cells cranked out and then um, drop back down so you can put in a really really hard strong fast effort with sense. more oxygen yeah. and it's, it's really cranking and fueling your yeah. your muscles did you ever feel the altitude during the oh, yeah, series 100%. yeah 100 <laughs> was it at a certain altitude like because i did a race last year where as soon as i got above i mean most of the race was above ten thousand feet yep. but as soon as i hit like eleven thousand or above i felt horrible like couldn't eat food dragon ass like felt terrible yeah for me it's always been like nine ish thousand feet yeah i can start realizing it which yeah. sucks for leadville because <laughs> literally all, everything is above, above <laughs> 9, you dropped like tw- i think twin lakes drops down to like nine thousand two hundred feet but um it's it's just it's more just a mental adaptation of understanding that like I'm just going to feel a little bit different. Um, my, I'm going to 
my, I'm going to be breathing a little harder than I expect, but once you can kind of wrap your brain around yeah. the mental aspect of that, like the physiological response for me is pretty similar. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Did you go up and like do some training runs, you know, high altitude, like from yeah, of just course. like just out of this, like, where would you go? I so guess. I was living in Boulder at the time. That's and what I was wondering. Yeah, yeah. So, and I, I went up to like Nederland mm-hmm. is a little community just upside up, up outside of boulder and the indian peaks wilderness is yeah, awesome man. so i did um a couple of the 13ers up there a ton like one of my favorite weekend rides was uh it's called the i called it the autobahn duathlon so <laughs> it's you ride from boulder up to brainerd lake yeah uh, which is like a five thousand foot climb on the bike and then you run up mount autobahn and back and then you bike <laughs> back to boulder and mount autobahn is a 13er it's 13,000 is that the change. road that goes by uh gold hill yep that road i don't even know like i can't paint the picture but just imagine like the steepest road ever <laughs> and that's the road you're there's, biking there's up. lots of yeah there's lots of ways up there there's dang like, man just crazy and you're just and i did all the mountain bikes so yeah you know, it was a good probably like just, cross i mean both getting both of them in. totally yeah. yeah if you're training for an event that's a lot of biking and a lot of running yeah you know let's just think of it think of an iron man going out and training you do a long bike ride and then you do a brick run after that was my little yeah you know lead man brick style workout <laughs> that's nuts man so you get to the leadville 100 and you've never ran a 100 miler you've ran a 50 miler at that point correct okay so once you pass 50 miles in the like it's an out and back right yeah Don't you totally turn around? so back. once yeah. you get to the turnaround point yep. like how are you feeling then um i actually was feeling pretty good until just before the turnaround yeah uh, and i was still <laughs> on my goal pace and was cruising and then i should back up like I, I could feel the fatigue in my legs at mile seven, which yeah. was kind of the first oh, alarm. No, and I just ignored it um, and just kept cruising. But I just stayed on pace, stayed on pace. And then things started kind of unraveling for me at mile 45, 47-ish yeah. uh, before the turn turnaround at, at Winfield. And um, I kind of held it together a little bit with the help of my pacers through, I think it was like 60-something. And then... Like I had an anterior tibialis that basically just went out and like couldn't really do much more than walk at that point. So I went from like 24, 25 hour pace to walking it like, in 30 miles to yeah. go and hope to finish. So you walked the last 30? I did. a. I, I walked a lot of the last 30, but yeah. there, I mean, there was like, I feel motivated to run. Let's run a little bit. Oh, nope. That hurts. We're going to walk again. Yeah. So I think, I mean, it was a 29 hour total event yeah where you know there's four hours of it that were wasted potentially on yeah good for the ego yeah you know (laughs) i learned a lot yeah um i learned a ton that's a hard way to do your first hundred miler but how would you learn you know anytime you go into a hundred mile race with expectations um i was you're an idiot (laughs) And I'll say that to this day. I just heard this quote today, and it was expectations. I mean, I don't want to mess it up. Expectations are basically just like um, <laughs> the uh, the guide to acceptance or something like that. Where sure. it's like, if you have expectations, that's fine, but you're probably just going to learn acceptance here. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That's, that's, and that's, there are so many things that can go wrong over running 100 miles that. 
you know, and I and I should say I have had a couple of races that I've gone in with very specific expectations and yeah. like nailed it a hundred percent. That's awesome. But that is not the yeah. norm in ultra running. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what? I mean, that's a, like obviously a huge lesson. What else did you learn yeah. there? Um, I learned the importance of crew. Oh, like, okay. Like it people don't realize how important a really good crew is to that last 50 miles of 100 yeah like the emotional toll that it uh, <laughs> running that far takes can be pretty steep yeah and uh having people there that will tell you to kind of suck it up and keep moving when you need that or give you a little extra love and affection when you need it like having people that know you really well is yeah it's super important. So like to this day, I, I do whatever I can to have at least a couple of really close friends or yeah. anybody with me during a race, just because I know like I have these emotional breakdowns where I kind of just like, like just sad and upset. And it's like, it's usually pretty short lived anymore, but all yeah. of a sudden out of the blue, like I just get like oddly emotional and like, it's weird. And having really close people there. And I learned this in Leadville, like just really helps you kind of weather that storm and, yeah. and move through it. Did you have it in Leadville? I did. Yeah. I had, I had some, some pretty, and this was before, like, cause you can get crew, you can get pacers at mile 50. Okay. Um, and so it was like in that pre, just before mile 50, I was yeah. having these like, why am I doing this? <laughs> like, and, and this is pretty common for ultra runners. Yeah. As you know, like, I was having a little bit of a mental breakdown and I, I remember telling my mom at mile 50, I'm like, this is the stupidest thing I've ever done. Like, why am I doing this? I'll, like, never let me do this again. And then, you know, I chugged a Coke or something and we're like, all right, let's go. <laughs> the cure-all. Yeah. Just Coca-Cola. Yeah. yeah. So I have to, I haven't ran a hundred miler, but I have to imagine like 45 to 50 would be hard because you're not even at halfway yet. Like you don't even have that mental, yeah. like oh well, at least like we're on the downhill part of this run now. Yeah. Whatever. So to that point, one of the things that I've learned in the last few hundred miles is that you really can't even like, you have to do your best not even to think about that as a distance. Yeah. Like yeah. if you, you can, gotta... if you can take fifty milers out, like take to totally take it out of perspective. Um, and try to just think in terms of like every aid station, like every four or five miles. Yeah. Like then, then the race becomes a lot more mentally manageable. But if you're at mile, you know, 31, you're like, oh, I've already run an ultra and I have <laughs> 69 miles more to go. <laughs> yeah. Like that's when it can start taking that mental toll. Yeah. And I know in my first hundred in Leadville, I definitely made the mistake of, of like, oh, like every mile past 50 is a new PR for distance run. And like, that sounds really cool until you start thinking like, oh my God, I've never run this far and I still yeah. have just as far to go. <laughs> um, so that's, you know, that's a big tip that I, any new up and coming ultra runners that I talk to and like, you tell you that. when you're going to do your first hundred is like, don't, don't think of like the big pieces. Think of like the yeah. small pieces, five miles at a time, seven miles at a time, whatever that distance is for you. Yeah. Um, and then I can take it one step further. And like, if there's a, if there's a course that you've run over and over again, um, Ooh, this is good and, for me because I'm about to run the same course again. Yeah. So, well, well, I, more like in training. So if there's, oh, a, gotcha, if there's okay. a route that you do all the time, like yeah. if there's a five mile loop, like let's say take we ran Table Mountain, yeah, right? that's seven miles. Yeah. 
Um, so you can break the course into like seven miles and you can like visualize like, oh, I've got one table mountain done. And cause like, it's like, it's, yeah. a, it's a mental checkpoint. Yeah. And I actually learned this, uh, learned this trick from a buddy of mine, Ryan, who uh, told me, he's like, I think of, I think in turn, he, he's done the Boulder Boulder like, like every year it's ever been around like 30 something years he's done it. And I guess every year he's been alive for it. That's cool. Um, and he's like, every ultra I do, I think in terms of boulder boulders left. And I'm like, it's like, okay, <laughs> two more boulder boulders to go. Just yeah. one more. And it's a 10K. So yeah. it's easy math. But if you can if you can think in terms of just segmenting the race versus, yeah. oh, I'm at mile 50, um, it becomes a lot easier to manage because yeah. then it's just a series of five-mile runs. Yeah, that makes way more sense. I. I was um, doing the Quest for the Crest 50K. Have you heard mm-hmm. of that one? Which, if you haven't done it... Is that Runbum? Is that it's Runbum, it yeah. yeah. He's the coolest dude, by the yeah. way. Like, that guy's awesome. But um, I think I was the inaugural one. Like, okay. it was the first one. But it's like 12,000 feet of gain, yeah. 12,000 feet of descent, that was just and like 50K. Recently, right? They just yeah. Did like, a couple, like yeah. last weekend, maybe? And I remember the there's three big climbs in it. Yeah. The first one is like... Hand, like you're using your hands at parts it's insane um and it takes you like an hour to do a 5k or at least me an hour to do a 5k um but on the third climb i was running with this guy and my thought was that he was teaching me that lesson right like break it down into segments because he goes uh i can't remember his name but that's right uh he goes all right do you want to know the secret to ultra running and i'm like sure man and he's like <laughs> I'll tell you when we get up to that rock. And I'm like, okay. And we run up to the rock and he goes, you, you still want to know the secret to ultra running? I'm like, sure. He's like, tell you when we get up to that tree and we get to the tree. And in my mind, I'm like, ah, get what you're saying, dude. Like break it into little segments, yeah. you know? But then after like three or four times of doing that, we got up to another rock and he goes, it's about hydration. And I, like, <laughs> I was like, what? Well, he's not wrong. Yeah, no, he wasn't wrong, but I was like, I thought he was being like mystical. And, like super, yeah, this lesson. super inspiring. And yeah. Like, yeah, man. Yeah. Like, yeah. So how long, funny. how long after you finished Leadville did you sign up for the next ultra? You know, cause you're telling your mom oh, yeah. halfway through, like, don't let me do this again. And then like, how long yeah, after, you know, Good ultra runners, the ultra runners in general are kind of like, I, I watch a lot of baseball and then to be, a, yeah, your Cubs hat on. Yeah, I actually do have a Cubs hat <laughs> on. And, um, you know, in, in baseball to be a good closer, you have to have a short term memory. You give up a home <laughs> run, you got to keep pitching. I think of like good ultra runners have to have a, a short term memory, like a closer in baseball. Yeah. Like, like you might suffer, but you forget it real quick. So I, I think <laughs> I remember like right after Leadville, like we went back to my, my buddy's cabin and I, I literally passed out in the entryway. Like I, rem- I remember faintly remember people walking over me and I was just was okay with it for whatever reason. <laughs> and then I think it was that day or the next day that I was like, that was really terrible. When's the next one? Yeah. Like, I think there was part of me that like knew, well, one, I didn't, meet any of the goals that i was trying to go for right like yeah. I, I felt like I, I left a lot on the table so um i that was in august and then i think my next 100 miler ended up being bighorn 100 in june of the next year okay so when just kind of to that point when you finish something you've never finished before yeah right but you didn't meet your goals like how do you feel in that moment like 
Cause you have to be proud that you yeah. finished, right? And that's the challenge. That's 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 weird. That's the screwed up <laughs> thing about setting expectations for something you've never done. Yeah, like, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. <laughs> yeah. right? I'm just, just punk that just thought I could do it because I wanted to, and you know, I guess that's our generation in a nutshell. Like I, <laughs> I signed up for it, so I should be able to do it. Uh, but I, I was definitely super proud and yeah. like emotional, and that's awesome. like I, there was. There was a lot of just like emotions at the end. I remember like my mom was there and like a lot of close friends at yeah. the finish line and like I I couldn't stop crying. Like it was just so like so proud of the accomplishment. Yeah. Like you know the the story that I always tell and seriously to this day and this is going on four years ago now that like the last so you come in Leadville you finish the last few miles are in, on a gravel road called the boulevard and the boulevard leads into town and then you finish on main sixth, street sixth and harrison yeah, yeah is the finish and you're on the red carpet but coming up the boulevard is when it starts kind of getting close to town and well, let's say we were like two miles out of town and you start seeing spectators and you start seeing spectators and and to when you're doing lead man you have a special bib that everybody can see says they lead know. Man on it, and yeah. they know and um, I was running with my friend Ryan at the time and he was, I was uh, super, super broken down obviously at the point and I was, I just wanted to run and, and, uh, he just kept yelling like, yeah, we got a lead man coming in and, <laughs> and like all these people were just like, oh, like, congratulations lead man. And, uh, oh, you know, cool. that, in that moment, all the, the, the training miles, the, the crashes on the mountain bike, the, <laughs> the pain were just kind of all like sunk in. Cause you get to that point and. Like, I don't know if people are like me, but I get to that point in an ultra race where I'm like, damn, like I could break my ankle right now and I still have enough time to crawl to the finish line and finish. Yeah. So like you kind of get to that point where you're like, <laughs> I know I'll make it. Yeah. Um, and then that's where all those emotions came. So when all these people are starting to be like, congratulations, lead man. Oh, like, man. Like, dude, like, like seriously right now, like goosebumps, like it, it got me so emotional before I could even like thank them. I was crying. Yeah. Like, and so the last few miles, a lot of tears and. Um, for the next few days after the race, it was it was definitely it was pride of, of setting out to accomplish something that is very difficult. Oh, very, yeah. And um, and then then it became excitement because I knew that I could be better at it. Yeah, like I finished like I was almost last place. You know, I guess there was an hour to go and there was a handful of people behind me, but you know, there was a 30 hour cutoff and I finished in 29 hours. I was not in a comfortable position. Yeah. And so I, I got excited that I was like, man, like I could be a lot better than this. I know I can be. And so that, that, I I don't want to say failure. That's a really terrible word because I succeeded, but that, um, the challenge that went into getting to the finish line put me on the trajectory to, pushing myself to, to definitely where I am today yeah. and to, you know, finishing on a bunch of podiums in the last year or two That's and, awesome. uh, you know, getting to do some pretty crazy stuff yeah. in ultra running, which I want to get to. So yeah. I know, I guess you just mentioned Bighorn 100. So just kind of give us the trajectory. Cause I know you did bad water. So like yeah. give us the trajectory leading to bad water. Sure. So, uh, level 100, uh, then Bighorn 100, and then I kind of started understanding my 
figuring I, it out. I figured my body out. <laughs> yeah. Like that's the most important solving thing. the puzzle. Like, you know, every every ultra runner is an N of one. Like we're our own little experiment and you have yeah. to kinda of understand it. And like I understood my running style a lot better. And so I went from, you know, dabbling in those I, you know, 29 hours and the 25 hours at Bighorn. And then my next race was a race called uh, Tunnel Hill 100. And I had, you know, worked with a coach at that point. I was like, I want to go fast. Yeah. Like, um, and this is a course that's in, uh, it's in Illinois. It's in really nice, far, man. Far Southern Illinois. Dude, I want to totally run, uh, well, Iowa, but like a yeah. Midwestern yeah. ultra at some point. Let's I think it. it would be really interesting. Yeah. I have one in mind. All right. The Boonville Backroads Ultra, I think okay. it's called. Let's do it. It's next year. It'll be next year, like Memorial Day. But if you're in. I'm in, man. I Memorial probably... Day. I don't have anything on my calendar yet. <laughs> yeah. I'll get you one year beforehand. Yeah. Let's, <laughs> let's go. Let's own it. Yeah. Um, so I figured I started figuring it out. And I figured out how I responded, and so I went from, uh, and then I during this time. So this was from you know, June was Big One One Hundred. Then yeah. uh, Tunnel Hill One Hundred was was at the end of the year, um, and during that summer I just I just put in a shit ton of work. Like, yeah. I just I just wanted to succeed. I, I had the drive. Like, I felt like I could could go a lot faster. Yeah. Um, I worked on a lot of different stuff. And then during that time, I also had set a couple goals for myself. And there's this race that I had always wanted to do. I've seen it and it has a bunch of history called Spartathlon. Okay. And uh, it's a 153 mile race across. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I was like, is that the one? Yeah. So um, basically, to, to get into the lottery for that race, you have to run um, a certain speed. I think it's. Like, oh, okay. And don't quote me on this i think it used to be it was like 21 hours for 100 just to get into the lottery but the lottery is so stacked in that race that it's hard to get into the lottery so to guarantee entry you had to go i think it was like 20 percent faster than that or something like that which came out to 16 hours and 47 minutes i think i did the math back and this is a couple years ago so i could be off a couple <laughs> minutes but um, so I trained my ass off that summer with this goal of trying to run a, basically a sub sixteen forty something hundred mile that's race. So fast, man. <laughs> so yeah, so that's I mean that's nine like nine fifty five ten minute pace something like that for a hundred miles. So um, I long story short, I didn't know what to expect, but I knew I was going to go for it. Yeah. And, um, did had, you accept like, Hey, if I just burn out yeah. mile 70 or 80, like what I'm I wanted. Cool yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Yeah. I, I wasn't going to be okay. Not going for it. You yeah. Know what I mean, so, yeah. um, long story short, I ended up in 16 hours and 27 minutes and I, I broke that barrier by, I think 20 minutes. That's and, awesome. Uh, I finished fourth <laughs> in the race and, yeah. uh, I got my ticket punched to Spartathlon the next year. So you did Spartathlon? I did, yeah. So uh, I was a part of the U.S. Spartathlon team Dang. and uh, went to Greece and ran from Athens to Sparta, re recreating the basically the route that Pheidippides took yeah. uh, back forever ago in the Battle of Marathon. And yeah, super cool race. I had, I mean, we, we could go off on a whole tangent. I had literally the worst race i've ever had uh but you're but, in greece but, still, but you're like hey, i'm still, in greece i still finished yeah uh, i think i was i was like 80th something like that yeah 403rd american tied with uh, another guy and um that's crazy yeah i mean man. 
me and another American kind of ran the last walk jog, basically the last 50. We were both having terrible days. Yeah, just walk jog the last like 50 miles together. <laughs> Uh, and was, was that your long, that was obviously your longest up to yeah. that point? Damn. Yeah, still it's my longest. Oh yeah, fifty three, um, uh, and that yeah, that was uh, that was something. And actually, actually, believe it or not, I skipped over a hundred mile race in between. So before Spartathlon, I did a race called Keys One Hundred. Oh yeah, yeah, um, I've heard of that. Is, which is point to point in the Florida Keys. Uh, it starts at Key Largo and ends at Key West. It was like 120 degrees with the heat index and just miserable. Just humidity. Yeah, just miserable. Alligators. I went 16 and a half hours yeah. there too. Dang, was man. second there. And um, that put me on basically. The so once you figured out you could do it, yeah. you're like, I know I can do this now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then, That's cool. And then Spartathlon. And then, you know, I felt like after having that those, those two really fast 100 milers, one being the Keys 100, which is known to be one of the hottest yeah. races on the planet. Spartathlon finish. I felt like I had a pretty good resume to apply to Badwater, yeah. which was kind of my, my my dream target goal race. Yeah. And when did uh, you first hear about Badwater? Man, I I first heard about Badwater like 20 years ago. <laughs> I don't know some wide world yeah. world of sports thing, and it was one of those races that I. You know, current day Don wanted to do Badwater because past Don always thought that it was the stupidest, craziest sounding race, thinking like, man, why would anybody do that? That's the one race, like, no matter how crazy I get, I'll never do it. And so, you know, as the more and more 100 mile races I got under my belt, I was like, man, like, it was really appealing because for some reason that's the race I said I would never do. Like, why did past Don say he would never do this race? Like, let's go for it. So yeah, so I, I put my name in the hat, and that's a, it's not a lottery. It's a basically a resume selection process. Where oh really? Play. Okay. Yeah. So that. you have to have a, a cert, you have to have a race resume and yeah. submit it with some essay questions. And uh, there's a panel of four judges that review all of the resumes, and they they pick the top 100. Yeah. And so the like last year there were, um, I think. 2,500 something over 2,000 applications. So this was last year. Qualified applications. Last yeah, year's race. Okay. <laughs> Which we can get into because I know that one was like even more insanely hot than. Yeah, it was the hottest year in the history of the race. <laughs> um, so yeah, so obviously I, I got in and uh, I did did really well. Yeah. Like I just I, I got third place. You did very well. My first ever year at Badwater uh, to show up as a rookie and yeah. Um, go uh, 27 something hours, 2708 and finish third. In the hottest year. So, so let me, I, I got a, just a couple like selfish questions please. as I'm training for the desert. What did you, what was your training? Like, how do you train for the heat? Yeah. So, uh, well, one, I did a lot of research on heat adaptation, yeah. like understanding what the body and a lot of the research shows that heat adaptation is very similar to altitude adaptation yeah. and that just being, uh, being in it yes. helps. So you just expose yourself to heat. So um, my wife and I, we actually found a infrared sauna on Craigslist for like 300 bucks. And so we bought a little sauna. And so I would do like hour meditations at 150 degrees in the sauna and just be just get to the point where I was very comfortable with just kind of tuning yeah. everything out at 150 degrees. Okay. And I figured if I can do that, I can run in 125 degrees. Yeah, I was thinking I'll about this today. I'm like, you kind of want to make training harder than the actual event itself. 
Absolutely. You know, and my my biggest issue right now is that Denver's not cooperating. I'm like the only person wanting Denver to be 90 degrees right now. And it's, it's not, not. So, so I was last year at this time. Yeah. Why, why, why is it not super hot? Yeah, exactly. Right. So, so did you, I don't know. Did you, did you layer up, up or anything like that? Cause, cause part of me didn't, didn't want to do that. that. Right. Because I'm like in the race, I'm not going to be layered up. Is this going to like affect the way I sweat and cool? You know what I mean? Cause it's not recreating what I'm actually going to be in. That's definitely a lot of people do that. I actually didn't layer up. I, I'm more just, pointed my training right around the heat of the day yeah, yeah. and you know i got i lucked out last year we had a couple of 100 degree days yeah. during my biggest weeks and so like i kind of rearranged my schedules to do my long run yeah. like my, my longest run last year was a 40 something miler um and my training run for that block and it happened to be during the week that one of the days got us to 102 degrees yeah, here. And so, yeah, so I just went out and I put on exactly what I was planning on wearing in Badwater, which was basically long sleeve, white wicking material and, you know, sun hat, uh, ice caught scarf, things like that. And I did loops around a local trail park and every, every five miles I went back to the truck and That's what lo- I was wondering. loaded yeah. up my bottle, loaded up the ice and went back out. Cause bad water, your car stops what every two miles or so. Or? It's open crew. Okay. So you can, you can just drive the, the, the truck has to like basically play leapfrog with you. They'll, okay. they'll pull ahead. And we, we chose to do just about every two miles. Um, my crew lied to me and started doing like every two, two and a quarter, two and a half miles, <laughs> yeah. a little bit, just so I would run a little farther. Mind games. Stops. Yeah, <laughs> right, which is great. It was the right call, but I was super annoyed when I found out. <laughs> I'm glad they did it, but yeah. it was just funny. Yeah, man. So, what about this? What about this move? I have this towel that like supposedly stays cool, and it actually like did a pretty good job last year. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Um, soaking it in ice water. On the, on nipples, the nipples right <laughs> that's where it's gotta, <laughs> it's gotta go. go yeah yeah so i i have this there's a company up in boulder actually called ice cot and they they make these like ice bandanas with a long sleeve and so like you could pack the the bandana full it's like a tube you with cooling material you, you basically fill it with ice yeah and then it kind of self ties itself around your neck whoa and then it has a thing that comes down your torso and so it you could put it i actually put the the tail if you will if you could picture like a like a noose with a tail going down your back um like i put that down my back like along my spine and so the ice is kind of melting and carrying that cold water down my spine and we would fill that up like a pound of ice every two miles basically we went through (laughs) yeah like 200 something pounds of ice and 135 miles that's awesome man well so okay so as you're going i remember when we were running and you're kind of explaining it you for a while you didn't know that um you didn't really know your place like where you were how you were doing no clue like did you have an idea like hey i'm doing pretty i know i'm doing good yeah i i did i had an idea um i didn't know like i i thought that I was like, maybe I'm in the top 10. Yeah, yeah. I didn't really know. And um, my crew didn't tell me, which is, was planned. That was planned. I didn't yeah. want to know because in ultra running, especially 135 miles through the desert, like if you hear at mile 70 or in the top five, it's going to change how you run. Yeah. And if you change how you run at mile 70 with you know, 65 miles to go, it could screw your day. Yeah. So like, I really didn't want to know. I just wanted to be really confident and run my race. And I did that. 
and it just turned out like I think at mile like 120 something they actually told me like you're in third place you have 15 miles yeah it's like we're like you just have like this little uphill little uphill is going up you know up the portal of Mount Whitney it's a really gnarly climb um but yeah they they really didn't tell me I, I, I had a weak moment, probably 105 miles in, 110 miles in. Something. I was like, I was like, hey, am I, am I doing like, am I doing okay? Like, and my my pacer at the time, Shad, he's like, hey, just think about the cars you've seen around you or the lack thereof. Because again, it's open crew, so yeah. like you see the vehicles of other runners moving around you, yeah. and like, I hadn't really seen any other cars in a long time. Yeah. Um, so it just kind of became apparent that i was like i'm i'm doing pretty well but yeah. didn't know until i got into lone pine that they're like you're in third place like go crush this mountain and get a podium finish it that's so awesome man like so you finish and are, is your mind just blown or what yeah it was, i mean it's you're exhausted at that point first of all so, <laughs> so you're kind of it was 27 hours of super hot because we started at 11 p.m and it was 118 degrees to start yeah. Yeah, yeah i was seeing, seeing the temperatures last year because i a couple guys who did the race with me last yeah. year were i think they were crewing or a couple of people were crewing yeah. and just seeing the temperature that they were posting i'm like this is insanity like how hot did it get i think i think they took a temperature during the race and i don't i obviously don't know where this was taken but they got it at 127 Jeez. degrees and it's better, and it's better not, not to know, know the temperature, temperature right like while you're running this like i don't want to yeah. know that but the, the pavement temperature i think somebody had a one of those thermal yeah. temperature yeah. readers and it was like 150 160 <laughs> degrees on the, on the pavement so you know what it's when you've been running in it it's just hot yeah, like yeah. You, you you don't have a reference point yeah you yeah. just know it's freaking hot yeah, yeah. Like, I'm not, I, I think, like, looking back, I think the crew had a hard of, more difficult of a task because they're getting into an air-conditioned mm, car and then, and then back out. They're not getting and used back. to it. No, like, I'm like a frog in boiling water. You turn up the heat slowly, and I'm just going to die out there. But, like, they're coming in and out of the yeah. heat and have this reference point. Like, yeah. Tired and hot. Like, that's all I knew. Um, and all I knew is, like, if the – further i keep running the longer or the, the less amount of time i have to be out in the heat so Jeez. let's just keep moving did you ever read Corey reese's book into the furnace i didn't oh you should check I, it out i kind of so there's most people are very like study everything on the course oh yeah and, and research and it might be I'm good to read after i'm yeah. very especially a course like that like I kind of just wanted to be a little naive to some of this stuff. Yeah. And so I almost avoided a lot. Like I didn't know the course very well. Yeah. I didn't know a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Like I, I've gone back and, and like watched the videos and stuff now, but like I wanted to kind of be strategy. ignorant to it. Yeah. Like just cause it's point to point and you have crew the whole way. Like I wanted to be, turn the brain off and run yeah. not like oh shit like this guy said this mile is the hardest like i didn't want to know that stuff yeah that makes sense man i'm actually kind of worried going back and doing the same race this year about that like being like okay there's this big hill coming up like last year i didn't realize it i didn't know any of that so you become obsessed with that one spot yeah and i'm i know i'm trying to like just in my brain be like hey man it's a different race this year like just go into it with a completely open like brand new fresh mind but so there are ways that I've found that kind of the courses that I've done over, you can kind of reward yourself yeah. and make it so you almost look forward to that. So like, the trick that I tell people is if you have like a favorite snack or treat or something, let's say you know Swedish fish. I like really like Swedish fish. So I will 
have so in your example you have this big gnarly hill that you know you're not looking forward to leave uh, like a pack of Swedish fish that are good for, like, like you're not going to touch them until like, the base that of that hill yeah. or like midway up that Ooh, hill and then idea. it becomes like you almost look forward to it yeah. because you're like salivating yeah. and damn like those Swedish fish are going to be <laughs> so good right now yeah. um, and then it it gives you like a something else to think about you're, you're thinking about that challenge as a positive yeah. not a, a dreadful like oh shit like yeah. I gotta climb this monster yeah. I'll, do I'll do that with that my long run sometimes yep. um, for like for North like Table North if I'm doing a bunch of loops on that yeah. I will just leave like a Coca-Cola in the car and I, I never drink pop yeah. Now, but, but on the long runs, runs like, like building up to a race, I'm like, this is when I'm drinking pop, and it's gonna be super good. It's so <laughs> Iowa of you to call it pop. It is, dude. <laughs> Iowa pop, man. Come on. It's pop. It sounds so foreign. I've been totally switched to the West and say soda. They say soda out here. Yeah. See, I don't. Since I don't drink, I don't know. I know. I know, but it's just, it's, it, it sounds so funny. Well, because I was down there. If anybody listening doesn't know. We call it pop in Iowa. Yeah. And it is, if we're ever, yeah. ever will be pop. You guys should always call it pop. Uh, <laughs> um, when we moved to Virginia, they called it soda. And I always thought that was so weird. But then my grandma in Missouri, yeah. sody pop. Sody That's what she would say. She would just be like, you want a sody pop? I'm like, something in between. In between, man. Missouri. That's funny. Yeah, man. So I guess that kind of somewhat leads into so the whole like <laughs> the idea of not repeating a course. Yeah, leads into your next big challenge where all you're going to do is repeat a course until there's one person left standing because you're doing the big backyard ultra. Um, So first of all, if if you haven't heard of it, can you kind of try to explain the premise? The premise is so cool, but yeah, it's 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 got to be like the most pure form of human endurance racing. Like so the format is. 4.1 4.1 I think it's 4.16 miles okay. with every hour on the hour until nobody is left so <laughs> so uh, you know let's just say it starts at 7 a.m at 7 a.m you have to run 4.16 miles and if you run that 4.16 miles in 40 minutes then you have to you're waiting around for 20 minutes for the next loop to start at 8 a.m and then it proceeds forward every single hour until nobody is left yeah. so um yeah that is going to be interesting so last year corny de walter and i'm trying to remember the guy who johan yes johan yeah like that. So, so how many miles so corny got second yeah and then johan your previous guest Courtney, <laughs> yeah. is actually how i found your podcast believe it or not yeah because uh, you said you're researching big's backyard i was so, yeah. yeah i was looking for for everything with any big backyard. i don't know how much we dug into it didn't really no tell, sorry so. man no you're good <laughs> um, um but courtney is just <clears throat> fascinating in every oh yeah possible she's a complete badass it's just incredible like the most positive like every interview with her yeah. is like just incredible like so if you haven't listened to her podcast on uh, on any of on them the show or yeah, yeah anywhere, like i've listened to a whole bunch with take her. some time yeah like listen to her she's like the most positive happy incredibly talented badass but athlete. also like a killer you know what oh i mean God. like there's something in there that's just like she has that com- she's ultra competitive but she doesn't let that side show i don't think you know so so yeah i was so she finished second, and she had, and 
I might be off by a little bit, but I think it was almost exactly 279 miles yeah. to Johan, who had to go on. So once once the second to the last runner retires, the last man standing still has to do one lap so of the course. Let's pretend for a moment, just because I don't know the rules. What if he would have like not like only got two miles into that last? So then miles? they both dnf'd and there's no finishers no way really so every single entrant of the race except the one officially gets a dnf oh yeah that makes sense (laughs) yeah so it's just it's 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 cruel and beautiful at the same time that like there is only one last man standing so it's like courtney she finished second technically she finished you know she ran 279 miles but officially she has a dnf and Johan did that last lap by himself and had, I think it was 283 miles. So the distance, which is interesting, so 4.16, and I apologize if I'm off on that, but I'm pretty sure it's that. Um, it comes out to exactly 100 miles every 24 hours. Yeah. Um, so they were out there for over two days. Yeah, it was like 68 hours, I want to say. Do you think Laz just giggles when he makes up these rules, like to himself? He is. If he, like, he is freaking brilliant. Like, oh, just he is. absolutely cerebral in how he yeah. goes about things. Yeah. Like, if you do any of the, like, if you read any of his writing, like, he's a genius, he's, man. He's unbelievable. Well, I, so I heard, um, I have a friend, she just started a podcast, uh, Amy Donaldson, and it's called The Wild Why. And it's really good if you haven't checked it out. Um, but she just interviewed Jared Campbell on it. And he said something, though, that I was like, He said he he was was hiking hiking with Laz, Laz, and Laz Laz was like, it's really really easy to make a race race where 100% 100 of people won't finish. Like a 100% impossible race would be super easy to make. It's incredibly hard to make a race where it's 99% impossible. And I was like, whoa, what a good point. So that's what he's aiming for is like these races where only 1% success rate. Yeah, and I – so – Laz is obviously the race director of Big Bad yeah. Ultra and his other famous race, the Barton oh, yeah, Marathons. Yeah. I just <laughs> actually just got through the first step of the application no process way. to Barkley. So um, don't reach out to me asking me how. I'm not telling <laughs> you. <laughs> yeah, it's so secretive. I know. I love the fact that you have to bring like a t-shirt or socks he's like i needed socks this year so i got a socks yeah it's like the first year you bring a license plate from your home state and like whatever wardrobe or whatever he needs i'm thinking about doing that with my seventh graders this year dude yeah like stop bringing me apples and crap like that bring me boxers and socks um that's awesome man so what like how are you how do you even train for this thing like do, can you even train for it, or do you just, like, I had to show up and just be tough? Like, I don't know. So I think it's – well, there's two sides of this type of race. And, and the reason I've tried to listen to all the podcasts for this one is because I don't know. There's not – And this is one of the few races, being that it is so repetitive. Like, I, I'm going to do everything I can to study it. Whereas a race that you just go point to point, I'm not going to study it. This race, I'm going to listen to everybody that's ever done it because there's strategy involved. You have to kind of – fake it and like prove to other people like there's some gamesmanship that like you feel great and then you know they're thinking like damn like i'm miserable how's this guy feeling so good um so i'm i'm working a lot on the mental side of it yeah um so there's a there's a lot of things that i'm doing to try to just become mentally stronger running a little bit more boring routes Mm. uh doing more repetitive loop running yeah um i'm actually there's a uh 
a local guy. His name is Dr. Justin Ross, and he's a sports psychologist here in Denver. Um, he does stuff with the U.S. Olympic teams, and um, I'm actually starting to work with him on some mental strength stuff like that. That's cool. Um, obviously not just for that. It'll pay off in all my races because, yeah. again, there's mental weaknesses in no matter everything we do, both yeah. running and daily life. But, um yeah, yeah I, I, I see the mental challenge being the biggest element of that one for me. Mental challenge, yeah, because it's also like, do you run a 40-minute loop and have 20 minutes to rest, or do you run a 55-minute loop where you're going to save your legs? Yeah, yeah man. That's, that's, and, you know, Courtney is a good example. Like She ran some of her fastest loops, like at mile 240 or whatever, because she was getting really sleepy. And so she tried to like run really fast and get a little bit of sleep, but I think that running a little fast got her all jazzed up, and then she couldn't sleep. And I think that's that's ultimately what like why she had to drop. Is yeah, the sleep thing. Johan could sleep, and she wasn't getting any sleep. So it's just there's so many elements. So I have a I have a a 4.1 mile loop around my house mapped out <laughs> that I'm going to do some overnight stuff or yeah. come back to the house and try to catch a, a 10 minute nap and see how quickly I can kind of fall asleep in between. Loops. Yeah. Cause that's almost something you have to train is like, if I can fall asleep instantly yeah. versus like lay on the ground, takes like five or six minutes to actually fall asleep. Then you're just yep. wasting time. You're not asleep. Right. So I think there's a, there's the, the, mental challenge is kind of coming into camp if you will with a mental mindset of soothing calm oh yeah uh, which is which is crazy when you think about like you're in a race like yeah like it is not like intuitive to like try to be calm and passive yeah um so like working on that mindset of just meditative for that last mile yeah. or so and trying to just like, almost come into a state of i can sit and sleep yeah well, because I'm sure you're, you, when you go into an aid station, you have like a mental checklist of like, I got to do this, I got to do this, I got to do this. But when you're going into camp, you don't want to do that because you want to turn your brain off. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. That's you wanna... crazy, man. Is it in his backyard? Yeah, it's, it's actually in his backyard. So Big, Big is the name of his dog. Oh, okay. And so it's named after it's Big's backyard. Like, um, it's, it's his dog's backyard. So yeah, he has um, a large property and loops and at, during the day it's on trail so it's on you know in his little forest yeah. there and then at night it actually transitions to the road oh yeah uh, so for 12 hours during the day you do a four mile loop on trail and then at night you do an out and back on the road yeah dang man is so is there different strategies for the road versus the trail or um like, can you go faster on the road like i don't know yeah i i haven't gotten to that point in my yeah. training and planning yet yeah. this is october so i've, I've got a little bit when of is it yeah when is yeah, it yeah it's october 19th is it starts okay. just outside of nashville tennessee well, I, well i'm excited, excited now because i have someone to root for there you I'm go like, yeah. yeah yeah and you know the beauty of laz is one of the reasons that this race has become so popular online is that he is a absolute poet when it comes to writing yeah and he would write every hour an update of the race and it was just like at, at the later days it, they all read like a, just the most beautiful stirring obituaries of like runners like oh you know this runner they fought the good fight and 
Uh, nobody knew it, but then they dropped out, and it's another soldier is done. And, you know, that's obviously not yeah. Laz's words at all. He writes it much more eloquently. Yeah. But, like, seriously, that man can write so well. Yeah. And his hour-by-hour hour updates are just moving and beautiful. Yeah. Well, I was reading it as he was walking across – or I think he was walking, hiking across – Yeah, I was reading it as he was going across the country last year. And you're right, like, the posts were just entertaining to read. Yeah, you know? he's a if, – if, if you guys don't – follow Lazarus Lake on Facebook just like his page yeah. and be inspired by the stuff he, like yeah. yesterday he, he posts about legless lizards in whatever country he's in and gave the whole like history lesson of the legless lizard adapting and how it's not a snake and like it's just the stories that he tells and the information that he gets is just second yeah. like he's I don't know do you think you, you could do Joe, Big's Backyard, backyard Barkley and then um his race across Tennessee, Tennessee. all in the uh, same year. The last annual Vol State. Yeah, Vol State. Yeah, the big one. Oh, uh, uh, is it the last one? one? Well, they call it. That's what oh, they call it. Yeah. Yeah, so Vol State is, is that race. It's like a 300 a, mile yeah, across Tennessee. I think it's 500K. Just so sleep wherever. Yeah. Get to the side. Yeah. Does that sound like, does that sound interesting to you at all? Because it sounds like you kind of just go with, this race sounds interesting and challenging and like something new that I haven't done. Right. So I've been, I got, more I pushed myself in ultra running, and I guess this has always been the kind of the reoccurring theme of the Go Bigger Go Home for me is, is the idea of, of my personal boundaries and limits yeah. and just never being okay with not knowing where my boundaries lie. Like I, I've always thought to myself, like I never want to, I never want to be the the guy on their deathbed. That's like, damn, like, could I, I never push found myself yeah. further? Like, I never found those limits. So I'm, I'm just really curious of of finding the race that pushes us to the point where I can get some of that satisfaction of knowing, like, okay, I gave it my all, yeah. and this is where it ended. Do you think you'll ever find that though? I hope so. Yeah, and that's why that's the that's the appeal of Big Backyard. Yeah. Like, oh, it's true. It's it's that is the only you know the only reason that I wouldn't find that limit is if God willing I win the race. Yeah. Because you need at least one other person to keep pushing you. Yeah. Because as soon as everybody else drops, yeah. Uh, you know you're you're you have one more loop. Yeah, um, that's true. So, you know, I, I I have no doubt that someday I will find it. Um, yeah. You know. I guess the competitor in me hopes it's not a big backyard and that I outlast everybody and uh, I just say, you know, okay, what's next? Yeah. But um, I think I think that's the real appeal of that race is that that's for, true. for 99.99% of very accomplished ultra runners, they will find their limits. When you said um, this year it looks like a really highly competitive field. Yeah, so this is the first year they've ever 100% hand selected the field okay so it was all application based so you basically you apply uh, put, put together your little race resume you write to the labs why you should get in and he picked 75 athletes um i guess i should say i'm gonna put an asterisk on that it's not a hundred percent selection it is all but i think i don't know 10 spots were last selected the rest were what he created he put together this golden ticket thing so oh, okay. they're with the popularity of his race all these other 
backyard events popped over up all same the format or like similar format. similar format yeah, yeah. yeah but then this groundswell started that the winners of these races should get a guaranteed entry into big backyard Ooh. and so i think there i want to say and i there's 10 of those this, i want to say there's about 10 okay. golden tickets that will be nice. competing so you have a bunch of really experienced ultra runners yeah. and really accomplished ultra runners and you know some of the best long ultra ultra endurance runners compared you know teamed up against these people that have been winning these backyard races and then um, so you know no matter what i just want to be able to, to walk away with a new distance pr so you know oh yeah my, my distance pr is 153 miles so uh, yeah i can i can say I'll, I'll be disappointed if i don't get to that point and then whatever else happens um, one of the things that I took away from Courtney in one of her podcasts that she did. She's like, you, you, you have to be really careful not to set like a distance goal because yeah, like, that makes sense. It seems like if, if my distance goal was 200 miles and you get it, and I got to 200 miles, still four people left. Yeah. yeah. Like it, it could really derail your mindset of like, Oh, I hit my goal, but I'm not done. So yeah. kind of keeping it really open-ended. Yeah. Um, so that's the challenge of this format is there's so much mental <laughs> challenge on top of it's exciting designing. though it's so it's exciting, exciting for spectators too just to yeah it's so easy yeah. to follow oh yeah like, yeah so yeah, i've got i've got a little my crew coming out there we're already pretty jazzed up to get yeah, out there that's and do cool, a little road man. trip and that's cool so have you read the long walk by Stephen king yet or richard bachman you his know, pen name yeah a lot of people keep recommending that to me yeah. and i think we it's talked because, about it dude, we it's because it's it's, it's, it's that, that format, format. It's, like it's like somebody dies right so like basically yeah, yeah it's i mean it's stephen king so yeah. it's like i can't remember maybe 50 yeah. kid or it's and it's like teenage boys it's like pre-hunger games hunger games kind of and so it's basically the same thing like you have to walk at a four mile an hour pace until there's one person left basically and then if someone fell behind they like yeah i don't remember the purpose like why some futuristic government was like okay this is a good idea yeah yeah but it's totally the same kind of because even like four miles an hour basically you know that's funny because i maybe that's what inspired last to do this because i remember saying you know, he, he, he talks a lot about his, his high school running days and where he used to be. He was not anywhere near the fastest runner yeah. like the first few laps on the track. Yeah. But by the end of the workout, he was, like, stronger than everybody. So we always thought, like, hey, if we could keep a consistent pace, like, how many laps until I'm the fastest? Yeah. And, and he mentioned a book, and I don't remember. That's probably got to be it yeah. that, that he kind of referenced when he came up with this crazy format. That's awesome, man. Well, dude, I have to. you have to come back up when you're done. And we should go on some more runs together, man. I know. Yeah, we're 30 minutes apart here. Your recovery runs. Yeah, yeah. I have, you know, I'll, I'll tell you my, my season real quick this year and we can fit in some training so i, I just got back with uh, oh yeah dude i didn't even I, uh, ask you about that i meant to ask you so you just did a 50 miler yeah my my comeback race so i uh, also haven't mentioned that i just came off a, a race in december and broke White my Ranch foot Park. and ankle yeah yeah I, I broke my foot and ankle uh, i was thinking I about you i just ran there, there this weekend and as yeah, i was coming down, down the, this pretty like belcher hill area yeah. at the end of the run there's all these giant rocks and i'm like this is where Don kicked really, one and broke his yeah, foot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I just stepped on it weird and I totally rolled over and I cracked the talus oh, and the cuboid. Yeah. Um, so that was that was December and I just, uh, you know, six months later, jumped into a 50 miler and uh, down in Los Alamos, New Mexico, and 
really happy just to just to feel like I'm getting back and yeah. strong. So I finished fourth and, um, you know, fair bit off the, the, the first two guys. But, yeah. yeah, that wasn't the point of that no. race. It was just to get back into to it. To get back into it, you know. I feel like I, I can I can line up again. So, yeah. you know, going forward, I have a, a 50-miler at the end of July. What's that Grand, one? Grand Mesa 50 okay. in Grand Mesa, Colorado. I'm doing after that. In August, I am doing Lean Horse 100 I've heard of that one, in yeah. Custer, South Dakota. So that should be a fast course. Yeah. Um, I've got some pretty fast expectations there. Um, a month later, I'm going to Michigan and doing the Hallucination 100, <laughs> uh, which is six. I think it's like 16 mile loops. For that just miles. has a great name. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> super cool. So it's a uh, it's a it's like a Woodstock festival. I kid you not. It's like this camping commune that they have all these like running races that are That's going on cool. throughout the weekend. Yeah, it's like I think it's runwoodstock.com or .org or something. But yeah, a hundred That's mile sweet. race called Hallucination. And you just keep running through camp and all these things and stuff set up. Yeah. So it should be a ton of fun. Yeah. Um, and then that's like, those are, those two hundreds are kind of my big build for, uh, the big backyard yeah. ultra. So it's awesome. Yeah. Man. It gives me an October hundred or excuse me, uh, an August hundred, a September hundred. And then I roll into October, hopefully with some really good miles. Yeah, man. Well, if you're doing some four mile loops around your neighborhood, you're doing like 50 of them. I'll, I'll join you for like one or two. Love it. Yeah. We'll do a, we'll do like a live podcast. Ooh, that'd be good. Yeah. yeah. Like we'll do, <laughs> come at mile one and then again at mile fifty yeah. and see how crazy I get. <laughs> um, yeah, man. So where can people like follow your adventures and all that stuff? Sure. So probably the easiest is Instagram. Yeah. I'm at Run with Don. Okay. Pretty easy. Yeah. Um, I have a coaching business called Boundless Endurance. Yep. So I work with a handful of athletes, and it's just boundlessendurance.com, um, and you can see some of my past results and That's awesome. what I'm up to. And uh, yeah, reach out and then. Yeah, come find me up in Leadville at the end of June at that camp. Heck yeah, man. So wait, once again, since that was like the beginning of the podcast, where do people go to like sign up for the camp and stuff? Yeah, so uh, you can find it on, on my Instagram or you can go to performancetea.com. Okay. Uh, so Performance Tea is, again, one of the companies that, that I represent and uh, they're co-hosting the camp with me. Sweet. Um, and yeah, that, they're providing a bunch of adaptogenic teas and CBD teas and stuff like that cool. and talking a little bit about adapting to altitude. And I'm going to be talking a little bit about it, training and trail running. And uh, it'll be a really awesome camp for uh, both newbies and pretty experienced runners. That's awesome, man. Well, dude, you have to come back after the bigs like especially totally, i want to hear about it yeah i want to hear about all the craziness that went on oh man hopefully and like hopefully it'll be a good hearing about now. meeting Laz and stuff like that's gonna be awesome dude yeah that's that's part of the excitement is just like <laughs> yeah. meeting Laz. Yeah. like that dude is an icon <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah so it's, it's gonna be awesome and that's cool uh, yeah man thanks so much for Sweet. for putting this together getting yeah, me on and can't wait to run with you and talk to you again soon heck yeah, yeah. all right man, all right, man. All right, guys, that wraps up this week's episode. Um, Don, thank you for coming on the show. I am really looking forward to having you back on and hearing about uh, the insanity of Big's Backyard Ultra. Um, so that'll be sometime next fall-ish. So hopefully you guys check it out. And now, like, for me personally, I'm even more ex- – like, I'll follow Big's anyways, but now I'm even more excited because I have this connection – and someone to root for, you know, because you go on and a lot of it's covered on Twitter while the event's going on. But now I'll be able to go on and be like, how's Don doing? I hope he's doing okay. Like I'm pulling for him, things like that. So 
um, that'll be really cool. And hopefully if you guys are listening and you connected with Don's story, I guess, yeah, I forgot to mention this in the intro. Um, you can follow along with his stuff at run with Don, um, on all the stuff. <laughs> so, uh, go ahead and, um, check that out. I'm sure he'll like bring you along with his training. He's on Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff. So, um, cool, man. Well, for me personally, uh, if all goes according to plan with releasing this, it's going to go out Thursday while I'm in the middle of the desert doing the desert at stage race uh, Thursday or Friday un unknown at this point. One of those days is the long day. So I'm going to drop this in the morning. And so if you guys made it an hour and 16 minutes into this podcast, uh, you can go on, check out the link to Desert Rats. You can kind of follow along on the long day, either Thursday or Friday, um, and see how we're doing. Last week, I talked to Phil Pinty, um, who's here right now still, because we are now doing the outro <laughs> at the same time we recorded last week. So, so yeah, man, um, we're gonna be we're gonna be in the midst of it. Yes, sir. Advertise for us, Phil. If you've not checked out last week's podcast, like a Bigfoot podcast, there were mentions of city slickers, city slickers, uh, burning shoes, burning old shoes, uh, <laughs> corny, lame dad jokes. We talked about we did a recap of why the sequel to most movies are, are garbage, except the exception of Terminator 2. Terminator 2 is an yeah. all time classic. So um, no, but if, if you have not checked out last <laughs> week's podcast, check it out. And we Chris and I are currently out running Deserts right now. So yeah. enjoy. Yeah, man. Uh, Go to Chipotle and get a, a chicken bowl or something or have a nice le refreshing lemonade. Yep. Because uh, we will not be able to indulge in those things. <laughs> get an ice cream. Maybe. Ice cream, yes. popsicles. Yeah. Anything that's you're refreshing at, yeah. or if you could step into – if you're near a local library and uh -huh. maybe step into the air conditioning for a little bit, uh -huh. that'd be great. Yeah, just blast that air conditioning. Blast turn it. on your computer. <laughs> open the link. Watch us. Yes. Watch our little dots. Mm -hmm. I think it's like blue dots, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Watch our blue dots – slowly slowly well kind of like when indiana jones would like travel in the movies <laughs> oh, and they'd like yeah. have, the, have the photo of him traveling flying over yeah Europe and, yeah that's you use cool. your imagination use your imagination mm -hmm. about what we're going through yeah. and then we'll post pictures and all that stuff afterwards you can see our feet mm -hmm. i'm sure we'll post pictures of our feet you can post pictures of your feet but you're not doing feet I'm pictures very reserved. i normally don't post pictures of, you know of my feet well our our friend paul's already texting Ugh, us goo. He's already texting me like I already have blisters. And I'm yeah. like, how? We haven't even started. And he's like soaking his feet in like black tea. In black and, tea. Yeah. Which huh. is such a California thing. Yeah. I was going to text back like, dude, lighten up on the Californianess yeah. of soaking your feet in tea, I think it was friend. like black tea and like eucalyptus oil. Or At something. the same time, I do feel like Paul's one of the wiser people I met. It's pretty wise. So I kind of want to follow his advice yeah. with the tea. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. yeah. I guess you can tune in next week. We'll probably have a race report or in the next few weeks at some point. And, uh, you can see how it went for are us. Are you going to do, are you going to do one of those things where like you kind of recap with like certain racers and yeah, I and want like to. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I would love, you know, to have you back on and talk about the race and the adventure. Um, I liked, I don't know if I'm going to do the same format as last year where I like had clips that I recorded my thoughts in the desert what was i was thinking this like you you did that personally you re you recorded like clips of yourself but yeah. like I, I actually just popped into my head and i apologize if you were going along those lines but like what if you did like 
race rep- like not race reports, but like maybe one night you spoke with like staff yeah. or something like, while you're out. Or is I'm like gonna be honest. Much? Like I thought of that last year, uh-huh. but really quickly I I discovered like that's gonna be too much. It's yeah. the thing we were talking about yesterday of like going out on an adventure and like filming the adventure yeah does that ruin the experience yeah because you're trying to you get so wrapped up in like cables and, and like, like filmmaking yeah yeah exactly you're not like, in the yeah yeah because we were mentioning my buddy calvin climbed all the hundred mountains out here and he was gonna make a documentary but it was just him by himself he would be the crew mm-hmm. the cast mm. the adventurer who doing this thing and he realized very quickly like if i do if i i can either make the movie or I can actually finish this. Hmm. What's more important? Yeah. And then he ultimately chose to just finish the, the like adventure. You know what I mean? So mm. it was that idea last year. Cause I did think about that. I think it would be cool, but I, I want to have the experience too, if that makes sense. But there'll be something, there'll be something about how it went. Yeah. <laughs> so sounds good. All right, man. All Join right. us next week. See you, man. Giddy up.